the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome to Healthcare Now. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones. And once again, we have Ken Peach with us. Ken's been with us a, a few times, yes. always just great information. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I literally take notes when you come. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I do that for anybody else. Today. No, you, yeah. don't. you know, I hope none of the other uh, guests are listening right yeah. now and, say, and they'll come in and yell at me for not taking notes, I suppose. Well, Ken but. is the executive director of the Health Council of East Central Florida. He's got several programs that not only deal with existing patient needs in the home, moving hospital to home care. Right. But he's also looking at programs that help people age and stay in their home longer. So welcome, Ken. Thank you. Thank you both. Yeah, you bet. Staying out of the hospital. Right. I mean, that's what we're Mm -hmm. talking about. Staying out of facilities, out of the hospital. And, you know, we've we've got hospice care that was designed for those end of life things, but we're we're missing out on a huge segment of the population, people that don't want to be nor need to be in a full care facility, but they right. do need something right. else, right? right? And if you if you figure one the aging of the population, uh, but also even the um, advanced care planning. To your point about hospice and right. and understanding what it is that we want for ourselves at that point yep. in time, yep. that really needs to be done yep. as well sure. to address. Sure. address well, that. let me throw a couple stats out here for we can talk about. You know, Medicare obviously is growing at the tune of 10,000 new beneficiaries aging into the program every day. But they project that by 2031, the average per capita Medicare spending will be over $24,000 per person. Today, it's at 13. Wow, it's going to double. Double. Their, wow. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's frightening. That is very frightening. Yeah. yeah. So when you look at the volume of people we're talking about, 10,000 a day and, mm-hmm. and the cost. I mean, this is not an affordable model going forward. No. So how do we, right. we begin to right size that? One of them is getting ahead of these things with prevention, yep. right? Um, and um, another is looking at how do we keep people out of the institutions? Um, you know, I think there's a couple of things. When we approach physicians about this, um, we were talking about the fact that sometimes people don't take un- aware of it or they're not aware of it in the, in the industry. It's a new concept to them. But the idea is the first thing we always talk about is patient care and the quality of care because what we're doing is extending the primary care practice into the home and giving the physician and the nurses in the practice a much better view of what's the total situation, what are those social issues that are invisible to them. Um, Larry, you mentioned uh, at one point about the fact that um, people don't necessarily tell their physician so you're you're right. using a survey to encourage that or even their friends right but yep. the paramedics see it sure you know it would be it's undeniable story yep. told yep. a story on the show back yep. some time ago about the woman who was going to the emergency department every other day right because yep. she had yep. squatters moved into yep. her home right, right. Exactly. stealing all of her yep. food yep. yeah and, yeah and you wouldn't right. see that so yeah. you know how do we uh, how do we see it yeah. the paramedics when they go into the home do see that and then that's why when they're doing an assessment even they're there they're on site and they can see for themselves what yep. are some of the issues yeah we had 
had a, an example of a, one of our patients a couple of years ago, and I think I've mentioned this on the air, 90-year-old female was discharged from the hospital after a minor surgery. She was sent home in a cab. Discharge planning had no idea what was going on, and she was calling 911 to help her go to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously, we got care management involved. The primary right. care doctor actually went to her home, and we got her in a skilled nursing facility for a right, while. Right, right. Yeah, no, yeah. The, trying to figure out what the needs of that individual are. And, you know, it kind of, there's kind of two long-term things at play. So as we've watched the hospitals create hospital systems and now create health care systems, you know, it's 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 not an accident because... At the end of the day, what we're looking at is spending less money in the hospital, which means less income for the hospital. And the way to balance that is creating all these you, – you put in the first name and it's called health. Mm-hmm. you know. And so they, they add those networks. So those networks are now going to include outpatient facilities. They're going to include long-term care facilities. And now they have to include home care, right? And it's happening some, but it's not happening fast enough. Because I think that segment of the of the population is growing so quickly, we can't keep up. It'll be very interesting yeah. as we get beyond that silent generation and get into the mm-hmm. next generation of people who think differently. Right. And I don't know that th- I, I think there's some hope here is what I'm getting as because as we get to the next generation, that's more more communicators. Yeah. Right. Then there, I think this is going to going to improve. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, Ken. Some of the programs that you're in. Uh, there was an article on uh, how, how do we actually rein in health care, and it's projected now the, the numbers are a little different. We were at th- $4.3 last year. It's projected now to go to $7.1 trillion instead of that $8 trillion by 2030. But the fastest-growing segment is home care. And, and when you look at home care, it's about massive shifts of care into the home. And when you think about, Dr. Mark, some of the companies that we've talked about, Humana bought a company called Kindred. Optum bought LHC. We talked about CVS's acquisition, $10 million, $10 billion acquisition of Signify recently. And then Optum bought Emeticis, and they also bought another company called Landmark. Right. These massive multi-billion dollar companies aren't investing in home care for no reason. Yeah. No oh, question about it. Yeah. The funny thing is one of the yeah. things we did is we recognized we could expand the model we've been successful with because it does reduce by better than half, and this was using our own clients' yeah. claims data, better than half the total medical cost of care because yeah. of reduced ER yeah. visits, hospitalizations, Can you talk and about a couple of those stats because there were some impressive stats on that slide. Well, in, in what we've, we're fortunate that we have a client. I'm, I'm not able to name that client, but the mm-hmm. client really tracks this. And it's in large part because they have a huge population of Medicare Advantage mm-hmm. uh, patients or members. And as a result of that, they're always looking at what is it that we can implement in terms of another tool or device to keep our patients, uh, you know, in their home right. and, and healthy in their home. And as a result of that, um, they look at these stats. And we knew early on when we first started the home paramedicine program back in 2017, uh, in the first year, uh, we had documentation from one of our hospital clients that in the area of congestive heart failure, we had reduced by uh, 15 readmissions, what would have been readmissions, and they gave us credit for about $150,000 saved in 12 months. And then we did it again with another local health system where they challenged us to reduce the number of readmissions in their top six leading causes of readmissions to that one hospital. Um, And um, we achieved it. 
um, with a, I, I have to say, we achieved it for the 30 days that we were asked to do it. Mm-hmm. After that 30, we ended up with readmissions back in. So it takes longer than that. Sure. Right. We worked with a physician out of uh, New Jersey who was a, a Flacco's uh, recently on yes. a panel a couple uh-huh. of years ago, Dr. Uh, uh, Anthony Webby. And he, we looked at, we talked to him and he said, look, there's 90 days is what you really need that they've found in mm-hmm. home visit, uh, physician yep. visits in the Philadelphia area. So we look at it pretty much as a 90-day process. Right. And we're doing during that time self-care education. So the individual learns to care for themselves. We're monitoring their own disease or health mm-hmm. conditions. So uh, we understand. Yep. And if we're successful with that, then yes, reducing that, which goes to the reimbursement model. The two things, as I say, we'll always talk to a physician first about the quality uh, that we can provide, the extension of the quality of care of that patient, first and foremost, with Mm -hmm. every physician I've ever met, right? Mm -hmm. Patient first. Then the second is, yes, what's the reimbursement model? And in a Medicare Advantage model, a value-based model as opposed to fee-for-service, that's the sweet spot for us. Sure. Because if we can reduce the cost there, that benefits um, not only, obviously, the patients from their experience of less emergency and hospitalization, but also the value to the medical practice. Well, the three things that I saw that you did the most is, number one, you reduced the overall cost of care for these patients. You reduced ER visits and you reduced admissions and readmissions. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Mark, that's the basis of value-based care. Uh, Absolutely. And value-based care is, you know, I'd like to say it's here to stay, uh, but it, it is, yeah. it's been here for a long enough time that we're seeing a really positive action. It's, it's, it's a stronger hold on what yep. we need. And, I mean, I think, I think that's going to be a big part of, of anything that we do going forward. I mean, Medicare Advantage doesn't exist without it. Yep. And, vi- you know, and exactly. in some senses on the government side, vice versa, mm-hmm. right? And, and when we talk about the cost of care, you know, how do we control that? How do we make interventions that reduce the need for the extraordinarily expensive health system itself? Right, right. And not only that, you know, when you talk about the administrative burden of health care, it's like $350 billion of that uh, $4 trillion today. Right. When you're looking at home care and what you do, Ken, the administrative burden is very light. Yes. Yeah, comparatively yeah, yeah. very 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 yeah. light. Yeah. yeah. No, and that that's really that's the area when when they the pundits get out there and they talk about this is just cost too much. It's that's the part. That the, is it's the administrative yeah. part on, yeah. on all the different areas that we we pick on whether it's yeah. hospitals or pharma or medical device or right. whatever or whatever we're looking at insurance companies, it's that cost right. of, of administrative. It, it, it's hard to believe. I presented the other night to a group that's considering giving us a grant uh, to start our program in a new area that, that hasn't been served in the past. And I had a physician at the table, and I don't believe that he understood because they said, well, where is your office going to be? How many people do you need? I said, no, the paramedics operate out of their cars. We don't need an right. office. That's right. You know, they go point to point to point saying yeah. there's, no, <laughs> there's no infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and in all credit to Seminole County government, they just wrapped an anti-drug message around our car, gave it a brand new look. Nice. So that was uh, nicely yeah. done. Um, there is one other big area of opportunity. So if we look and there was a charrette or planning session within the past few months that Healthy West Orange hosted. And what they were trying to do was look at how are we going to enhance and improve aging in the West Orange community. Um, During that, uh, we we began to look at the idea of um, what type of housing model going forward makes housing affordable so that as we have individuals that Mm -hmm. maybe um, want to still be independent but cannot age in place in their existing housing, is there an affordable option? 
And so with that, um, there is an effort underway to look at affordable independent living communities with tiny homes wrapped around a community building for group meals, congregate meals, and entertainment and activities um, uh, with that concept. Uh, And it would have secure housing support. It would be walkable, natural surroundings. Um, And whether it occurs in West Orange first, um, the group that's looking at this, had developed previously a very large community in Central Florida, has connections with major home builders, and is looking at elsewhere in the state, too, for this kind of a model. Ken, how do physicians and patients get in touch with your organization? The best way is just right through our website, um, okay. which is, um, for the purposes of what we're talking about, it's caremedics, uh, okay. C-A-R-E-A-M-E-D-I-X.org, dot org. which okay. describes the program and gives mm-hmm. you share uh, mm-hmm. information about the program. And um, that, that contact comes to me. Okay. Very good. Very good. Well, I tell you, one of the things I love about all of your programs is it, it speaks to the region that you exist. And one of the biggest issues that we talk about in healthcare nationally is there's no answer that is a national answer. And so doing what you're doing, focusing on areas, you know, what what you have found to be successful may not be successful in Massachusetts or may not be successful in a, in a thickly urban area. But we need to look at all these places in which we live to see what type of models fit. So when we come back, we're going to pick up a little bit more about this, maybe throw in some are. more, more uh, we're, we're ba- going to talk a little bit talk. more about aging at the home, and we're going to talk about the agency on uh, aging, Health Council on Aging, and also the National Institute for Aging, Dr. Mark. We'll be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Hey, you found Dr. Mark and Larry Jones in the Healthcare Now studios. We're here with Ken Peach talking about the care for the aging, care in yeah. the home. And, um, you know, honestly, Ken, it's localized evaluations of a situation and how do we make them better? Yeah. You yeah. know, and yeah, you, you just did an incredible job in your communities, and yeah. uh, they, they owe you a great, great debt. Yeah, this has been a great conversation. We've still got more to go. Yep, yep. Well, All right. I, you know, I think, um, you know, a, a portion or a component of this is just simply how do we get eyes on patients? That's right. You know, and, and we've moved to a model, whether it's virtual care. There's an awful lot of ways to do that now. But one of those ways happens to be, in our case, just getting the paramedic on site and getting him into the home. And right. one of the things we've done recently is our nonprofit started a for-profit and is partially owned by the nonprofit because we want to in, uh, provide a, a funding source back to the nonprofit mm-hmm. to continue the local program. But this will also allow us then mm-hmm. to expand to other areas of the state with this model. Yeah. You know, Ken, it's interesting. I, I've been thinking about, you know, we work with just about every major payer within our organization for our patients. And many times a, a, a really needed chronically ill patient will get referred to their care management team. And I'm wondering within the payer organization, how many of these patients have ever been referred to home care? Good question. Right. Probably yeah, I mean, none. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Good question. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. What they do is they get a couple phone calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may get a nurse to go out and visit them. Right. And that's pretty much the extent of it. Right. I mean, if you're yeah. looking at massive numbers in these health plans, you just don't see the 
ability to yep. get out there with individuals. Yep. But let's the other thing, uh, then Medicare Advantage. I mean, you know that the insurance company itself has its portion that it takes mm-hmm. of a dollar flow coming down. Yeah. The rest lies with the physician. So who yeah. is at risk? Yeah. And that's what we find when physicians yeah. recognize that they're the ones responsible for the day-to-day right. management yes. of those members exactly. that they have. Exactly. That's when they yeah. really get engaged in a model yeah. that puts eyes in the yeah. home. And, you know, Dr. Mark, we actually pay, we'll pay Ken's services out of our ACO funds mm-hmm. to go see these patients. Sure, sure. So I guess the big issue is, from a physician perspective, how do we motivate our primary care doctors to get involved with this? I think education, 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 okay. because yep. it's not it's not going to be cost for them, That's right? right? It's and it's definitely decreasing their liability. Yep, and it's and improving getting, the care and, of their patients, right? And yep. their patients are going to love them. Yeah, you know, you're really going to build that, that community. Yep. Yep. So we just need we need to do a better job with yep. education. I think the the payers and even the legislators, I think one of the, and I've heard this more than once. Rolling out programs like home care, like a paramedic program, and particularly remote patient monitoring, these payers look at that as, oh, wow, just think of the abuse that could happen. Right. And they look at it from a negative angle versus not the real positive area of what it can do for outcomes for patients. Yeah, it'd be interesting to get on the inside of those boardroom conversations with that. And I mean. And you've heard that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So that. And I think they they balance those things out though because if yep. the if the savings is obvious and the that's abuse right. is a risk, yep. then it's balanced out. They're gonna they're gonna go forward with the program. That's right. Yeah. You well, know, in the straight Medicare world, the Medicare ACO world, which we're in a pro, their newest program called ACO Reach, realizing equity, access, and community health. Those those patients, whether they're in our program or not. As a straight Medicare patient with a supplement, you can go anywhere you want, anytime you want. You don't need an authorization to do anything. Right, right. That's the biggest part of the challenge. Right, That's and that is yeah. a huge cost. when Because where, where is that anywhere they want to yeah. go after yeah. 5 p.m.? That's right. It's always going to be the emergency room, that's right? right. Yeah. Yeah. right. No, I think that that's – and those are the things, you know, when you see those repeated emergency room. We've talked about that the first time you were on the show. When we get these frequent flyers that are coming to the emergency room, instead of just whining about it, trying to figure out what is it that's driving them through your doors, what's driving them out of their home. And an on-site visit is going to answer that question nine times out of 10. Mm -hmm. Well, and then you come back to looking again at the size of what we're talking about in terms of the dollars and the the increase to, you know, $7 billion and so forth. If you look at that and you say, okay, what's the difference between us and other countries around the world? And I remember when I was in New Zealand and the siren went off in the middle of the night and the doctor went out on the ambulance to the scene and address the scene right there. Their ambulance basically was the town's hospital. Hmm. Uh, they take care of the patient right there. If they really are beyond the ability of treating in the back of the ambulance, then they fly them, in this case, to Hamilton, New Zealand. Um, or uh, their, their hospital was really uh, some beds for long-term care. Right. Um, and so the difference yeah. is that other countries around the world focus first and foremost on prevention and then maybe they run out of the dollars for the high tech. You know, mm-hmm. we always talk about how many MRIs yep. are in Detroit yep. because the Canadians come over the border yep. because they can't right. get that high tech. Right. A lot less expensive healthcare system and anything we can do to expend, extend that into the home and provide that lower cost care uh, seems to make yeah. sense. We've actually had an organization. I want to talk about two local organization of several nurse practitioners mm-hmm. that have opened up what they call a mobile urgent care. Interesting. 
and uh, very interesting. And then we found out that there is a national organization called Dispatch Health that Cigna has already engaged to do the same thing, mobile urgent care, Dr. Mark. So you, they call, so instead of calling the ambulance, Within they're calling Within three hours, for, they'll be at their home. Interesting, yep. interesting. Hmm. So is that is that coming to our area? It's or already we, here. It's already here. Yeah, wow. it's already here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that uh, actually I talked I to the doctor who started it. Mobile urgent <laughs> oh, care. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He started it in yeah. Colorado. I think I talked to him about fifteen years this? or so ago. The doctor okay. who started okay. it. Yep. And it was in Colorado only, and now it's gone nationwide. And they just announced within the last two days that they're going to provide cancer care support, which is something that wow. we've been looking at. Our paramedic just finished a pilot funded by Flasco, the state oncology organization, mm-hmm. mini grant to be able to provide support to an individual yep. who was, had cancer to see what kind of support we can provide in the home. And, you know, from um, knowing a lot of people that have had cancer, dehydration will send you to the ER 50% of the time if you're on chemo. Right. Dehydration, and think about nausea. if you're doing that in urgent care in the home, you could avoid all those ER visits. Yes. Amazing. Yes. Yeah, big, yeah, big savings, no yep. question. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what are the paramedics, what would be their purview there? I mean, obviously, evaluation. And what type of treatment would they be able well, in, to render? In this particular case, again, you have there are a lot of things that they obviously cannot do for cancer sure, sure. patients. But for routine care, um, for those types of things that they can do within their license, and for the ability to do something that um, I think really pays dividends, and that is um, clinical consults. Mm-hmm. So let's say, uh, say, doctor. And that would be uh, in coordination with their oncologist. Yes, exactly. So you have the doctor on one end or someone in the doctor's practice, and then on the other end you have the patient, but now you also have a paramedic. So the paramedic now can take the direction of the physician. Okay, give me this. Give me this information so that um, all those decisions that can be made by the physician without being right there in front of the patient, they're getting the information they need, not just an opinion of the patient themselves. Interesting. Ken, two months ago the nonprofit part of your health council, formed a new company called Mobile Medics. Tell us a little bit about that. Mobile Medics Plus is the for-profit extension I was sharing with you. Okay. And so it's 10% owned by the health council. Uh, And the idea was um, that um, we as a small organization, while we can test things and do things in the metro Orlando area and and have and expanded to, in order to expand further for these organizations that are talking to us about, there's one right now in 34 clinics statewide. They want to link to us potentially. So I had to find a way to help fund expansion, and that's basically Mobile Medics Plus. Interesting. So you basically are doing the same services of care medics. It's just a for-profit Exactly. I and, yeah, and spreading okay. it out. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense, and I think it's, you're going to find that it'll be different depending on where you put it. And what programs? And maybe you've, you've even got your a lot clients. of different. Yeah, you've yeah. got a lot of different programs, right? So you're going to see what really pops in one area or another. So that's that'll be exciting to see, right? I mean, happy, healthy, and home. We have complex care, which is the program we started with of, of, that we've been talking about. We do company paramedic. We did some major hotels in Orlando as a test a few years ago, and we work with a very large hotel system now in helping address their employee health. Mm-hmm. because they are self-insured, so they're at financial risk if yep. their employees yep. get sick and for something that they could have controlled through prevention. So we, we do that as well. Yeah. Dr. Mark, before we finish today, I want to go over five questions that you need to ask yourself if you're considering aging in place and growing older in the home. And I think these are very good for our listeners. How do you plan ahead to age in place? Right, and planning ahead is a, a key portion, not just you know end-of-life right. planning. right. 
and financially the yep. the the sooner well, that's it, one it, of there's going yeah. there's going to be a huge cost yeah. of any type of in-home care yeah. and right. if you don't plan for that early it's going to be hard to catch up and what support can help me age at home mm-hmm. being thinking about that early on right who, who do you have right the common concerns about aging in place in other words your chronic conditions and you're going to be a specific situation no situation is going to be the same what are the concerns that i have aging in place at home and then the resources to help you age in place and the bottom line is what you just said how much is it going to cost yeah yeah i mean what yeah. what can what can i afford yeah, yeah. and I, I you know it's crazy to think that you know it's so much cheaper than institutional care, uh, but also so much more rare, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. it's... It, well, it, um, you know, I, I mean, we're looking at over $100,000 now for skilled nursing, and you're looking easily yeah. at 60000 or more in order to do a, uh, assisted living. Mm-hmm. So the home, uh, basically, in many cases, is going to be uh, the option only because you can't afford the other right, options right. as well. However, uh, you mentioned earlier long-term care um, and long-term care insurance. Um, I was with a couple recently that are basically aging in place. Um, uh, he is ill, and, and his wife is the caregiver, and she was talking about the pressures on her. She rarely gets out. Yeah. But she said, we have um, long-term care insurance, but it won't. we don't qualify. What, what do you mean? Well, because we have our activities of daily living. I can still move. I can still dress myself. I have the ability to you know, use the so toilet. So ha- that's where they have to address the caregiver. They have to address the health of the caregiver. That's it needs right. to be part of that exactly. picture. Exactly, yeah. and it's not. And yeah. so she is stuck there. They cannot mm. pull. He said, we've been paying into you know, the insurance for years and we can't qualify for it because wow. I'm still able to move around. So you know mm. that when he can't move around, he's going to be in assisted yeah. living and it's going to cost she the insurance needs a company that much lawyer, more. Dr. Yeah. Mark. Well, I was going to say yeah. that that's probably not barking up the right tree because right. at some point, even that group knows they can avoid a big payout if they right. get involved earlier, right? right? And, uh, you know, I think that I, I will say that, you know, when my uh, father was, he, he spent his entire life outside of the hospital with, you know, just a few visits. And he made a lot of uh, convincing phone calls to long-term care carriers yep. about those kinds of issues. Interesting. And that people need, need a voice. I mean, and I think that's another thing that your, your group brings to them is the confidence that they have a voice. You have a little advice to give them. That, that's going to go a long way yep. as well. So, Ken, I know we're going to wrap this up. Quick 10, 15-second message to our listeners on all the programs that are going on with you. Um, if I'm not putting you on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of ways that we can assist in looking at keeping individuals in their home healthy and home and happy. And that's what our goal is to to get that accomplished. No, I think that's that's really the message. If you you or a a loved one is facing that decision of can they can they finish their life in, in a way that they have the control, they can be in their own home and not be institutionalized. If they can do, how can they do that best? Yep. Uh, your your organization is there to help. That's what we want. Ken, to do. it's been great having you on the show today. Thank you both. Oh, Dr. Man, Mark, great. always great. Yeah, great show. Really appreciate you. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank you for joining us today on Healthcare Now. To find the answers you are looking for or have a question, you can reach Larry and Dr. Mark by emailing your questions and comments to follow us at healthcarenow.us. And we'll continue our discussion same time next week on navigating our complex healthcare system on Healthcare Now. On Healthcare Now. 
Welcome to Healthcare Now with your hosts, Larry Jones and Dr. Mark Shayat. Want to become an educated healthcare consumer? Then join our discussion about all things healthcare and understand how to navigate our complex U.S. healthcare system. Now, let's join our hosts in the Healthcare Now studios. Welcome to Healthcare Now. You've got Dr. Mark and Larry Jones with another great edition, I'm hoping, because we have a guest. That's now. This is your third time. We I think got so. a great show today, Doctor well, Mark. Well, Larry, yeah. do the introduction. Okay. Although our, our listeners, I think they're going to start to recognize your they voice. Are. I'm hoping. I mean, it's really good. We stuff. have Ken Peach with us today, Executive Director of the Health Council of East Central Florida. Ken's been on the show several times, and uh, we are interested in an update on what's been going on with the council since uh, you were on our show last, Ken. And let me just kind of yeah back up on that one. Back yeah. up yeah, yeah. on this a little bit, you know. Ken's got programs that not only treat via paramedics in the home, right. avoiding ER and admissions, mm-hmm. and, and the well checks, those kind of things, annual wellness visits, but also he's ventured out now into programs that help people that are aging stay in their home for a longer period of time. Right, right. And the interesting part of that, by 2035, it's estimated, Dr. Mark, that one in five people in America will be over age 65, larger than the under age 18 population. It's the flip. It's the first it's flip. A flip. Yep. 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 That's yep. incredible. Incredible. But Ken, yep. welcome. Well, thank you both gentlemen. No, great to see you again. Yeah. And we, you know, it's funny, even when you're not here, mm-hmm. you, well, you listen to the show, so you know that we talk about you and, and the great things yeah. that you're doing, but yeah. we would definitely kind of fill in the update that, that you shared with us and we're so so kind to spread the word about, yeah. about the show and yep. uh, some of the things that uh, you've done. Well, I just, you know, to, to work off what Larry was sharing, uh, mm-hmm. some some really crisis uh, situation uh, uh, thoughts here. Eighty-five percent of adults ages age 50 plus want to age in their own home. Well, yeah. Yep. I mean, it makes sense, right? Of course. And it does. And medically, care is moving from the hospitals to the home. So yes. you've got the hospital right. at Big home shift. movement and other and absolutely. Medicare doesn't place. pay for long-term care anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can bankrupt a family trying to keep someone in long-term care if they're there for many many years well that's that's kind of how they do it right exactly I mean, you know they actually yeah. literally but that, yeah, yeah we're off topic Let's yeah. You, no, no, yeah. sorry but you well, brought I, that up yeah. i'm caring for a 96 year old aunt right now who mm-hmm. is in assisted living but it still requires me as a caregiver and my wife to be there every day or two yep right all right right globally 10 million more adults are going to have are developing dementia each year globally right all right over 17% of those in the U.S. are already unpaid caregivers. 36 million people that are already doing care of some sort for someone aging in their family. And that leaves only one-third of, the, of those, the 12 million, that are providing home caregiving with no help. Wow. Yeah. And Incredible. so I had a chance while taking a long airplane flight to read a book. By, it's called Who Cares by Emily Kenway. And it is one of the scarier books you can read. It, it's Uh-oh. not a who cares question. No, no, no. It's who who's gives providing care. the right. care. It's yeah. all about caregivers, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. And so what we're seeing is a tremendous, as we see this aging population moving forward, um, we need to get ahead of it. It's like any wave. Yeah. If we can't get ahead of it, we're going right. to get hit. Right. And so she offers some solutions, which I'll share with you uh, with the course of time. And then also mm-hmm. we have some really neat local um, things that we're doing mm-hmm. that I think uh, that Larry addressed or, right. or mentioned. Well, before we get into those in, in detail, tell us about Healthy Osceola. Uh, you know, you had brought that to Mark's and my attention earlier. Well, and I think, uh, again, I shared with you uh, in large part, that was a result of you're talking about numbers. 
Right. And it started my mind thinking about the American Heart Association with its Know Your Numbers campaign. And we said, I wonder what we can do in Osceola County to try and encourage the population at large Mm -hmm. to exercise preventive care. Right. So we identified those four numbers, blood pressure, blood sugar, cholesterol, and BMI. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, We provided that. um, What we did is we went around. We went around to the primary uh, care practices uh, through the medical society. We also reached out to the clinics that are available. And we said, come up with pricing for at least two of these, because two are free, but the two that cost some money for labs, uh, blood sugar and cholesterol. And they did that. And we put it on healthyosceola.org as the website. Mm -hmm. So there's information out there. Why are these numbers important? Where do you get these numbers for your information? And then we put in a survey link, which um, I was sharing with Larry. We just translated to Spanish. Sure. Um, That was a piece that we missed. Uh, The rest of the site is in both English and Spanish. Mm -hmm. And so what we're doing is we're hoping individuals, when they get to know those four numbers, will then go ahead and share with us their experience. Um, right. What they learned the, from it. What it changed. What it mean? Yeah, exactly. yeah, absolutely. Exactly. No. So I'd love to come back in a few months and share with you kind of where we are with that. Oh, 100%. Uh, 100%. No, I mean, and that's a great program. And you're looking at, I mean, this is not a small population that you're talking about here. And if we have more people that are, address these areas, like you can you can wrap your head around and hands around that project, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And I think when we look at it as a national or truly a worldwide problem, that's much harder. But this is how we do it. We need we need the Ken Peaches yeah. of the world yep. that that have that foresight to say this is an area we're going to work on this zone and grow from there. So no, yeah. kudos, kudos. Well, Doctor Mark, you hit some on something. Not only is it twenty percent of Americans will be over age sixty five by twenty thirty five in Florida, we're already one in four. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. It's definitely yeah. that that population, yeah. and it's been that that direction, but not at that really right. extreme side. Yeah, this is, mm-hmm. it is something new. And I think we're still talking, what, 10,000 people are aging into Medicare at age 65 every day? Every day. Mm-hmm. That's insane. So, isn't, isn't Medicare just going to get better and better? I mean, isn't that the, isn't that the answer, Larry? It's going to get bigger and bigger. <laughs> I don't know about better and better. <laughs> it's going to spend more and more. And that's it's right. Got, it, it, you know, I, I know. That's, that's a, I don't want to get too far into that, for that's sure. staggering, for sure. those numbers. It is. And as you pointed out, I mean, it doesn't cover something that's going to be the most expensive part of that group, yep. and that is long-term yep. care, yep. right? I mean, if you've looked at long-term care policies for yourself as a private policy, you know, you're looking at three to $6,000 a year sure. just in premium. If you start early enough. Yeah, if right? you're young enough. Yeah, if you're young yeah. enough. Yeah. And then and that coverage, you know, it comes to different, yeah. different sizes of coverage per day, dollar yep. per day yep. coverage. You know, over time, that's yep. not going to keep up with the needs. That, that's right. That, and that I'm glad you mentioned with. that because that policy that averages three to six, depending on your age, only covers up to three thousand dollars a day. Yep, exactly. Total exactly. cost. Yeah, and that's yep. that's long term care in these facilities. Well, you mentioned. I mean, it literally yep. the only way a lot of families stay in there is to actually bankrupt the individual. Yep. Yep. And and that and that's not yeah. you know people work for their retirement and they have a, an idea of what they want to do and I think that's the big push to I want to I want to be at home you exactly know? how do how do we make that happen yeah. well, well you know Doctor Mark uh, sorry Ken we we actually know a family that the mom was in uh, a dementia memory program for eleven years mm-hmm. she had over a million dollars when she went in four months before she passed away they had to put her on Medicaid to keep her in there. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah, it's it's and it's gotten worse. That's heartbreaking. It's, yeah. it, I'll tell you, my yeah. aunt. Okay, mm-hmm. she has to have twenty-four hour 
uh, private duty care right. in the ALF because of dementia. $300,000 a year for that on top of 8000 a month for the assisted living facility. Wow. Now, she can afford it, thank goodness. Wow. She, she has savings, but... I mean, yeah, but they're not last forever. I mean, that's you know, that's right. yeah, four hundred thousand a year. Yeah, yeah. 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 that's incredible. Yeah. She has yeah. about four years that she has. So if yeah. you're you were talking about eleven years for a yeah. million dollars, yeah. you can see what's happened. This is just a runaway in yeah. terms right. of the cost. Right. right, absolutely. Well, we should talk about some of the other programs that might address th- this kind of issue because I think we've we've laid it out. That was a good good intro. We've kind of laid out what the mm-hmm. problem is mm-hmm. and where do we go from here. Well, it's not only the individuals as we look at aging, but it's the caregivers. And that's where we're beginning to really recognize that there's a whole other piece, as I was sharing. Like the, at the, the beginning family, of the show. you mean? Yeah, the, yes. the, yeah okay. And, and these are unpaid if you consider the, the impact yeah. on employment, because these are individuals that are getting pulled yeah. off work to care for someone. There are four solutions that were recommended in this book I mentioned, Who Cares? The first mm-hmm. is technology. Um, there are entities right. that are putting in motion sensors and, and um, cameras and sensor yep. devices to try and enable people to yep. stay independent as much right. as possible. She brings out an interesting, it's called Kinning, K-I-N-N-I-N-G, Kinning, mm-hmm. which is creation of a family beyond conventional bounds. So rather than having all of the effort of supporting someone who's aging and you want them to age in place, you can share that. And that's like the village model that we have in Winter Park. And I'll, I'll, I can share a little bit more yeah, about absolutely. that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> the other thing is caregiver respite. What can we do to get the caregiver, uh, give right. them a little bit of rest in a way? And that's where adult daycare has played a role. Right. Uh, and then paid support for individuals aging in place. And Larry shared some really good information on yep. personal care, household chores, meals, money yep. management, all the things that people have to take into consideration. Right. I shared, I was at Metro Plan this morning, transportation's on that list. How do we encourage right. and enable individuals, even if they're in electric wheelchairs? I saw one right. the other day on Conroy Road yep. that had a cloth cover over the top of it. Oh, uh, right. So yeah. here was somebody who's confined to a wheelchair who was able to get out and even in the middle of the day and have yeah, some and protection some umbrella from type the sun. Covering. I sure. thought that was yep. brilliant. And, you know, transportation then falls into isolation, depression, yeah, loneliness, can't, yeah, can't get around. the yeah, whole sure. nine yards. Yeah, yeah. Yep. 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 one of the key factors. So um, I mentioned uh, Neighbors Network in Winter Park, and I don't know that you've mentioned that on a show before. No, no, I don't think so. It's similar to a circles model they have in Europe, and that is it's a membership organization for individuals that are living alone but want to be able to share. It's a self-governing, member-driven nonprofit, and it's designed for individuals so that uh, rather than trying to call somebody uh, because you need something done in your home – you call the neighborhood network, and right. they've already identified somebody who's a real good, handy person who will either volunteer to help you with that or will do it if you're comfortable. The, right, you right, know, right. It's an entity yes. that you already They'll know. They'll let them into your home. Exactly. Right. Yep. And the cost is three to $400 a year to join this membership group. So it's very right. affordable for most individuals, um, and it provides some sort of an inpatient support um, or not inpatient support, yeah. but in, in home, in home support. support. Sure. Right. Yep. Right. So mm-hmm. who who started that? What's the, well, I know, know Annette Kelly, uh, who's now retired, uh, a nurse practitioner who actually was key in this. Right. Um, and there's others, Kathy Liebert and others um, that were involved early on in putting this together. Mm-hmm. It's now these are being replicated. Um, I think the idea came out of Boston, but they're now being replicated throughout the state of Florida. There's actually an association that's formed mm-hmm. um, that uh, presented at a Florida Blue Foundation conference a year ago. And um, so there is interest in replicating that. How do we do that? Because it's not affordable to go out and buy all the services you might need to stay supportive. 
Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, worldwide, that's called life. Right. And, and, you know, in, in many countries, right, that, mm-hmm. that's, that's that's right. the system. Mm-hmm. And in the United States, there's so much travel that families move away. You know, if you've got three kids, the chance that those three kids are going to stay in your community is quite low. Yep. Right. With all the opportunities throughout the nation or throughout yep. the world, really. So we, we don't have that extended family model to, to a great extent. And then you pointed out. So yep. I was in Winter Park and I would have to argue that that's a, a really an area that is is due to not have those those kinds of extended families. So some areas are going to need this a lot more than others, but it's a brilliant, brilliant plan and sort of brings together. I wonder, I like looking at some of the foundations that are supporting them because I, I'm living in Winter Park and I did not know about this. Right, right. So this is something yeah. that uh, I'd like to like to hear more about. You know, Dr. Mark, we're going to go to break in a second, but we're, uh, we're talking with Ken Peach, uh, Executive Director of the Health Council of East Central Florida, and we're going to continue talking about aging in place growing older at home, and how do you plan to age in place? We'll be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. You have found Dr. Mark, Larry Jones, and Ken Peach back for another visit. Right. And man, that's uh, the first first segment just kind of like flew by. Crazy. That's good, good yeah. great stuff. Larry, you wanted to talk about an example yeah. of, of something that you know that when you, you talk share. about aging in place and growing older in the home. We had an example of a seventy seven year old man whose wife of forty years passed away, and he told his friends, "I could only open a can of soup for dinner now. I'm on my own." Yeah, no, it is, and and people yeah. don't address those things when yeah. it's time to address them because right. you don't want to, right? That's right. So we're not going to change that, no. right? So no. these these other opportunities um, that that uh, you know Winter Park uh, that neighbor network, I'm just really really intrigued by how it gets started up and and how pervasive that is in in different communities because it's it's brilliant, you know, and, and it can if it has to stay. Small. It has to be a homegrown piece. It can't be a big national group that somebody's trying to profit on. It really has to be a neighborhood area in order to keep it to the level of, you know, it's like an Angie's list of checking out who can be safe to help me out. You know, I mean, that's it's just brilliant. Well, the, the um, there's a study that just came out from um, uh, McKinsey uh, Health Institute study, mm-hmm. and they found that there are six elements that are the top of the line for keeping you healthy as you age has a purpose in life. And so what this does, the Neighborhoods sure. Network, oh, yeah. is it gives mm-hmm. everybody a purpose. Everybody purpose, yeah. Now all of a sudden, you know, Jane down the street calls you and says, listen, I, you know, I've got a plumbing issue. Is this something you could help me with? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you can, you go down and help. That's her. excellent. So yeah. balanced stress level, conscious of physical posture movement, so activity, uh, formal learning and continuing education, opportunities to learn new skills, and volunteers when able. Mm-hmm. Those are the top issues yep. for staying healthy. Yeah. You know, those sort of... Uh, people argue and say, "Well, these are people that can do that." Right. So it sort of begs it, but is, that's not that's not how, what we're looking at here. This this is real stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, and if you you start early with those tenants, you're going to yeah. make it a habit as you age, and that's going to going right. to keep you moving forward. Well, let uh, me throw a little something in the wrench here. The problem with a lot of these older people is they won't tell you what they need. Sure. So how do people find out? 
what they need. Well, it's that silent generation, yeah. right? So yeah. we're, we're talking about truly the silent generation yeah. and not yeah. ones to necessarily complain. Everybody's going to say, well, wait, I, I, I know the exception. The one, one person complains all the time. Right. But, but it's that generationally looking, asking for help just isn't pieces of what their That's past right. brought them to do, right? That's exactly right. You know, And, so, you know, one of the things that we do, Dr. Mark, with our care management, you know, we manage thousands of Medicare lives sure. within our organization mm-hmm. and different programs. We use the Social Determinants of Health Survey when we're touching these patients to see what they might need. Right. And we find so much depression, isolation, right, sure. loneliness, no transportation, and in many cases, no food. Yeah. Now you, you do, and Ken, I'm sure your yeah. groups have seen this time and time again yeah. when when you are evaluating someone or meeting someone and really thinking that well, no, they say they're doing they're doing well, yeah. and come to find out when you look behind the curtain, it's right. it's not. Yeah. It's we, not. We had a situation yeah. recently. One of our paramedics was asked to go out by one of the senior centers. I went out and and saw this family because the woman her blood sugar was horrible, mm-hmm. and she's diabetic. And so he goes out to the home, and he surveys the entire home, and things look good. He checks the, the pantry, as we do, and, and all the rest. And he said, well, I, I can't figure out what's wrong there. And they said, well, did you check the other refrigerator? So he goes in and finds out in her room she has a refrigerator loaded with all kinds of high-sugar fruit juices <laughs> and everything else, right? Right. He knew there was something, and the, yeah. that's the paramedics. Yeah. In a, you know, yeah. and, They're like, and, yeah, they looking at the surroundings, yeah, right. really checking out. And, and not, you know, Ken, that's just the, the beauty of your paramedic program. You're yeah, actually getting in the home and looking at what's going on. And again, I'm sure uh, medication reconciliation is a big piece of what you do. Talk yes. about that. Medication reconciliation, particularly for individuals, there's, there's no delay. If someone's in the hospital, unlike home health, where you 24-hour delay, we don't have a delay. So mm-hmm. literally, we can get out the same day and see an individual who may just come out of the hospital. And most often, you have a situation where the hospitalist may have gone ahead and prescribed something right. without knowing or the they patient. They have something else, yeah. They already had something, sure, right? And sure. now they're taking twice what they should. So, um, yes, medication reconciliation. We look at falls risk. We look at the um, uh, pantry. And, mm-hmm. the, and the, not only uh, that they're not food insecure, but that they have the right kinds of foods sure. in there. Uh, we look at depression scale risk. Um, and then they look at the entire home. So they're looking at the air filter. So often people don't know to change the air filter. Right. Uh, smoke detectors, um, uh, fall risk from the standpoint of the way furniture is set up. And so the mm-hmm. beauty of this is these paramedics have been doing this for a long time and they know what to look for. No, well, yeah, they, they know to check out the environment. And you could get a lot of healthcare professionals and put them in the same situation, and, but they have a, a specific focus. And, you know, I want to pick on any of them, but if you if you grabbed one group, certainly if you took a bunch of physicians and sent them out there, they're going to just see the patient and not look to the left or to the right. I mean, they're patient-focused. Yep. And whereas the paramedics are trained to see the elements, that whole environment. So, it's yeah, it's just fantastic. Well, you know, the, the thing that we deal with day in and day out is many times we can't get our patients in for an annual wellness visit, like you and right. I talk about on almost every show, yep. Dr. Yep. Mark. And Ken's group can actually perform that annual wellness in the home as well as do a social determinants of health survey to mm-hmm. find out what's sure. really going on with that patient. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, we, in the field. Recently, yeah. even beyond the fact that we get patients referred from these large medical groups, uh, the physician groups, recently we recognized something else. One of our board members at the Health Council said to us, you know, I've had four calls in the last two days from family members around the U.S., 
asking us to check on mom or dad because they want to know what sure. their condition is. Right. Yeah. Right. So we developed an idea called Happy, Healthy, and Home, and we're going to start the service in August. Wow! It's the first time that we're going to be able to have individuals like that purchase the service. Somebody has to pay for the visit. So mm-hmm. we're adding uh, credit card capability. But uh, what this will be providing is an in-home age-in-place assessment, a sure. combination mm-hmm. of the uh, ACA, uh, what they call the 1823 form, which evaluates mm-hmm. whether somebody should be in assisted living. Right. We'll be looking at uh, activities of daily living um, um, and a variety of other things that we're looking at from an assessment standpoint. And then we'll be able to come back to the family member and say, okay, here's the results of this well check uh, on your parents or whoever it might be. But beyond that, we'll be able to say, now, here are the recommendations on things that you might want to do that will enable them right, to continue right. to age. An actual action plan. Exactly. Like you can call the next door neighbor and is, mm-hmm. and is, you know, good meaning as well meaning as they want to be mm-hmm. if they walk in and they say you know larry how you doing i'm fine i'm fine yeah, yeah. he's fine right and it kind of stops there and yeah i can only and then, imagine and then yeah. you, you know you compare what you do to a police wellness check you know you get those safety people, check, yeah. mm-hmm. and yeah. all they're doing is you know, if they're still breathing or not right well i mean that's to be fair much it. And, and safe and that's what they yeah. that's what they're trained and that's the that's appropriate right. thing and and i think you know if we added one more thing for our our police groups to I mean, that's going to break them. You know, I mean, break them. So, so this is this is another area where (laughs) taking the appropriately trained individuals and having them do exactly what they know how to do best. No, that's great. And so, we decided so, in looking at what they should provide, too, we had, we're planning on adding something else, and that is, you know, aside from on that list, listen, here's an opportunity for them to get involved in their the church has this group or whatever they might be, mm-hmm. but also nothing more than a simply a once-a-week Zoom call where the paramedics mm-hmm. can teach them how to get on there with Zoom, and all of a sudden they can start to talk amongst each other. I saw a, an example of this mm-hmm. up in Maine where this physician had everybody talking to each other through Zoom. So if you're homebound all of a sudden we can address the social issue right right okay. so this yeah is, it's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be a particular group that'll that'll buy yes. into that and i i do think that we've done a terrible job on the technology side addressing that group because you know i'm i'm pretty facile with the, the computers and whatnot if, if you ask my teenagers they may deny that but <laughs> but but you know it takes you have to get through a levels of frustration to get it set up just right and and yeah. so, you know, we, we do, we need to simplify yeah. that process, the technology of that process. I more. would take issue with your teenagers saying that, Dr. Mark. <laughs> when you text me, there's only one or two errors in it there each you go. time. That's right. That's right. And that's all dictation. That's all dictation. That's right. yeah, it's a, yeah. Well, I was, lack of proofreading. I was at the assisted living facility last night and I picked up my, my 96 year old television control. I have to reset her TV yeah. every time I'm there because she pushes on the 50, Messes up the 50 remote. buttons on yeah. the remote. Yeah. Uh, why the uh, cable companies you don't, don't have come to be ninety six to do one. that, Ken? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, they they did. The the phone companies have come out with phones that have just a couple of options, right? That's right. And that's the same kind of setup. Is they should be able to sit down and join, you know, even with with security risks, what they are to join specific groups. It should it should be easier. Yeah. So some 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 yeah. listener out there. Including, you know, my, my oldest son, Austin, mm-hmm. could put, put this together in about half an hour. Sure. Should take this upon themselves to kind of create yep. that product because right. I think it would be very valuable. Yeah. So, you know, America is aging. I think they came up the other day with uh, the average age of America is 39 years of age now. And we know that it continues to age in population of the over 65. And I know the struggles that you've been through, Ken, in getting these programs in the home 
So, Dr. Mark, this is kind of a question for you and Uh-oh. then Ken. Okay. How do we engage physicians to get better at this? So I think it's always the, there's always the two issues of time and money. Yep. Right. So it's got to be a reim, reimbursable action. Right. Right. And somehow we need to make the time to make it happen. And that's likely going to work through physician extenders. Right. Or the nursing staff or paramedics, that kind of thing that are actually going to do this because yep. that that is not doctoring, right? right? So they're they're not, and you don't really want to have to pay the mm-hmm. doctor to do that either. But there is a CCM code, sure, care care uh, continuation yeah. management code that the doctor can bill for that. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. We just need to get yep. that word out, exactly. and we have, and yep. we haven't gotten a great response. Right. You know, that's, and that, right. that's definitely an issue. Yep. But but there's got to be a carrot involved, yep. yeah, and then just getting getting the yep. word out. And, and I agree with you too on the technology side. Remote patient monitoring has not taken off in this country. And yet that is a significant opportunity to maintain healthiness in the home. Mm-hmm. We actually had the company we work with develop a deviceless uh, remote patient monitoring mm-hmm. with the idea that we could go ahead and have individuals be uh, uh, pinged on their phone every day. It says, okay, enter your blood pressure. So we don't have the devices attached to it. It's much less expensive mm-hmm. uh, for right. that. Well, right. It's not billable uh, or, or reimbursable under Medicare that right. way. But but it provided something. But we couldn't get individuals to engage with it, to your point, Larry. Right. No, it is. And, and there's going to be a lot of swings at this ball, right? And, and we're going to have to figure out the right way. We, yeah. there, it's going to be different from different for different mm-hmm. people, for sure. But I think that it's it's very important. And... And there are a lot of companies out there that are working on more and more home monitoring systems, more two-way communication. And I think it's going to take the networks, the insurance networks, to actually set it up and say, you know, this is what we're going to do and this is how it's going to, you know, because it does, it pays for itself, Larry. Without a doubt. And and so so even though I'm talking about these reimbursements, it's definitely something that's going to add to it all. Yeah, the IPAs, the ACOs, the Accountable Care Organizations. They're looking at this hard. And everything that's participating in value-based care is exactly where this whole thing has to initiate from, Dr. Absolutely, because that's that's the one piece of this puzzle that has been successful financially that's got legs, right? And so when the companies... You know, we talked about the different healthcare companies partnering with Best Buy. You know, and right. thinking like, how's right. how's this going to happen? Exactly. Well, you know, it's not necessarily the right path to go straight in consumerism here. Uh, it's not going to address the right number yeah. of people. Well, I tell you what, Ken. Once again, another uh, couple of great sessions. Really appreciate you being out and uh, talking with us and sharing what's going on. It's been great having you on the show, Ken. Thank you. Thank you both. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.